48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Cecil Wong. The headlines. Experts are warning of a resurgence in coronavirus cases, saying there are signs people are letting their guard down. The government's universal COVID-19 screening program ends today. And Japan's governing party gets set to vote for a new leader to replace ailing Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Dr. Leung Chi Chu from the Medical Association is warning that the number of daily COVID cases can rise back into the triple digits within weeks as social distancing measures are relaxed, civil servants go back to work, and students return to school. Dr. Leung also says the authorities have been slower to confirm cases which have no known source of infection, around eight days on average from the onset of symptoms. He says all this means now is not the time for people to let their guard down. There have been quite a lot of people in the shopping malls, waiting in the restaurants, and many of the restaurants were also full during the weekend. Such increased degrees of social mixing have already caused a minor rebound of infections in the recent two days. If there is a major rebound, the number of cases can increase rapidly over a matter of two weeks. We may be having, again, hundreds of cases per day. So now, the most important thing is uh, for us to try to stay home as much as possible in the coming two weeks. And we should also speed up our case funding. Even the restaurant trade is concerned about the prospect of a resurgence in COVID infections. The president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants, Simon Wong, told businesses to maintain vigilance, saying some eateries have not been adhering to social distancing measures, such as limiting capacity to 50%. Some experts were also concerned at reports that bars and karaoke's may also be allowed to reopen from Friday after a two-month closure. Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says this may not be the best idea. A really unfortunate scenario I can imagine is an outbreak in a bar discovered next week because the bars are open, lots and lots of people go there and there's an unrecognized case who goes along and we have another big outbreak like we did in March with bars in Wan Chai and TST. So I think it might be a little bit soon but I understand there's a lot of pressure to reopen the bars because of the business implications and so on. But in my opinion it's too early. The government's universal COVID-19 testing scheme ends later today, with more than 1.7 million people having already taken part. 26 infections have been detected through the two-week program so far, and Civil Service Chief Patrick Nip says he's happy with the outcome. However, University of Hong Kong microbiologist Siddharth Tridhar warned there could still be 40 to 60 silent carriers in the community, and he's urging people to continue practicing strict personal hygiene. He added that even though the government's testing program wasn't cost-effective, it was a good learning exercise. So now we know what it takes to set up these kind of testing facilities and the logistics involved in recruiting a large numbers of the population to undergo such testing. So this could perhaps be a strategy in the future for control of outbreaks. So when you have a situation like in late July, early August, when we had a lot of cases coming up suddenly, it is hoped that this kind of exercise could be perhaps started a bit earlier. So it's more cost-effective in a way. That is, you spend less to identify every case because it is more common in the community at the time. The World Health Organization says there's been a record one-day increase in the number of new coronavirus infections worldwide, with just over 300,000 cases reported in a 24-hour period. The agency says deaths rose by more than 5,500. The biggest increases in, in, in infections were reported in India, the United States and Brazil. 
In other news, Beijing loyalist Tem Yu-chung is downplaying a tweet from the foreign ministry declaring that 12 Hong Kong people intercepted in mainland waters are separatists trying to split the SAR from China. Mr. Tam, Hong Kong's sole member on the National People's Committee Standing Committee, National People's Congress Standing Committee, said spokeswoman Hua Chen-ying was merely responding to nosy U.S. officials who were trying to meddle in the country's affairs. He added that he believes mainland authorities will handle their cases in strict accordance with national law. He stressed it's inappropriate for people to criticize the mainland le- mainland's legal system or compare it with Hong Kong's way of doing things, saying the two systems are simply very different. The 12 people believed to have been trying to flee to Taiwan are being held in Shenzhen. Several Democratic Party district councillors have filed a complaint to the Ombudsman, accusing Hong Kong Post of political censorship for refusing to mail their circulars. The councillors said Hong Kong Post refused to explain what was wrong and there was no appeal mechanism. Quintong Councillor Edith Leung suspects the circulars were rejected for containing criticism of the government over livelihood and anti-epidemic policies. He says, she says the Postal Service has clearly tightened its so-called red line since the enactment of the national security law. They never mention what is the problem for our post. They are not neutral at all because they turn the red light on us but turn the green light to the pro-establishment side. Their red line has been completely changed over the years and over the few months here. Even in the early July, we are allowed to send some of the political messages to our residents, but only like for one week later, in the middle of July, we are not allowed to do so anymore. Turning to international news, Japan's governing Liberal Democratic Party votes for a new leader today. It's replacing the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who is resigning on health grounds. Japanese media say the chief cabinet secretary, Yoshihide Suga, and Abe confidant, is poised to claim the leadership. This would guarantee he'll be elected prime minister in a parliamentary vote on Wednesday. In the U.S., President Donald Trump has called for tougher sentences and quicker trials following the shootings of two Los Angeles law enforcement officers on Saturday night. The sheriff's deputies are both in critical condition after a gunman shot them through their patrol car window. Footage of the incident has been widely circulated on social media. Mr. Trump's opponent in November's election, Joe Biden, described the attack as cold-blooded and called for the perpetrators to be punished. Political leaders on the west coast of the United States have accused President Trump of being in denial about climate change, as three states battle wildfires of unprecedented scale. Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State described the situation there as apocalyptic and said it was maddening to have a president who denied the wildfires were climate fires. President Trump has blamed the crisis on poor forest management. Oregon's Governor Kate Brown says her state is facing the perfect firestorm because of climate change. The reality is, is that climate change is making these fires even worse. The level of drought, the changing environment, the changing temperatures, We are going to have to work at the local level, at the state level, and frankly at the federal level to tackle climate change. It's going to impact our communities, our economies, and our lives. The Brazilian government says it's releasing funds to help fight fires which have destroyed large areas of the Pantanal, the world's largest tropical wetland. Satellite images suggest around 15,000 square kilometers have been burnt since August. Here's the BBC's Candice Piat. The fires have already consumed over 10% of the Pantanal. They've spread during one of the worst droughts in decades. Local firefighters say few planes are able to fly to dump water because of the smoke. 
Rescue workers are scrambling to pick up panicking animals which flee the flames onto the region's few roads. An injured Jaguar cub was flown by helicopter to the only rescue centre in the vast area. A Brazilian government delegation is due to arrive on Monday to assess the situation. But there are fears the damage to the Pantanal and its unique biodiversity may be irreversible. The president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, is due in Russia today for talks with Vladimir Putin. It will be the two leaders' first face-to-face meeting since mass protests broke out in Belarus in early August, following the disputed presidential election. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford is in Moscow. Alexander Lukashenko wants this meeting to demonstrate to protesters back home that Russia has his back. A fresh reminder that Vladimir Putin's watching what's happening in Belarus and could send in his security forces. In return, he's been busy signalling to Moscow that he's the man to keep Belarus in its orbit, painting the protesters as anti-Russian and backed by the West. Some have speculated that Vladimir Putin will push for deeper economic and political ties with Minsk as the price of his support. The Israeli government has announced a three-week nationwide lockdown to contain a surge in coronavirus infections. The move comes into effect on Friday, hours before the start of the Jewish New Year, making Israel the first country to reimpose such a measure on a national scale. People will be banned from moving more than 500 meters from their homes. Schools and places of worship will be closed and all but essential shops shut. The Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has asked his finance minister to prepare a package to help businesses hurt by the lockdown. I know those measures will exact a heavy price on us all. This is not the kind of holiday we're used to, and we certainly won't be able to celebrate with our extended families. And there will also be those affected by the lockdown, such as business owners and others. Microsoft says it's offered to buy the U.S. arm of the video-sharing program platform TikTok was rejected. It was turned down by TikTok's Chinese parent company ByteDance. President Trump had urged TikTok to sell its American operations or risk being banned for national security reasons. Media reports suggest Oracle won the bidding war, although the company has not publicly confirmed this. Here's the BBC's Katie Silver. All we know is that in the last few hours, Microsoft has reported that uh, their bid to buy the, the app has been rejected by ByteDance. In a statement, they say that they're not willing to sell. Microsoft says they were confident that they could have been good for TikTok users while protecting the US's national security interests. Um, and to do that, they would have needed to make significant changes to ensure the service met the highest standards, rather, when it comes to security, privacy and combating disinformation. New data shows Chinese investments in Australia almost halved last year as relations between the two countries deteriorated. Researchers from the Australian National University said Chinese investment plunged $3.5 billion. Now a quick look at the stock market. Local shares are up in line with a rally across Asia, with investors cheered by fresh vaccine hopes. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 24,668. That's 164 points up from the previous close. In currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.02 Japanese yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 94 cents. Now to sports and here's Adam Chung. We start with tennis and a remarkable finish to this year's U.S. Open in New York, where the men's final went to an unprecedented fifth-set tiebreaker. Dominic Thiem is the new champion and a first-time Grand Slam winner. 
the Austrian fought back against Germany's Alexander Zverev and became the first man in 71 years to win the final after dropping the opening two sets. The players expressed their respect for each other during the trophy presentation. We'll hear from both, but first, the new champion, Dominic Team. Start with you, Sasha. I mean, we started to know each other uh, back in 2014. I think we were both ranked uh, somewhere close to 100 or something and uh, developed straight away great friendship. Uh, and then 2016, I think uh, our great rivalry started again. And uh, we made great things happen uh, on the court as well, off the court. And uh, it's, it's amazing how far our, our way, our journey brought us to, to share this moment with you. And I wish, really, I wish we, we could have two winners today. I think we, we both deserved it. First of all, I want to congratulate Dominic on the first of many Grand Slam titles, I think. Um, this is not the only one. And, you know, it was a tough battle. Uh, I wish you would have missed a little bit more so I could have held that trophy up. But here I am giving the, the runners-up speech. Um, obviously, I want to thank my team for, for sticking with me. Uh, the last two years haven't been easy in my tennis career. And, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely on the way up. And um, I hope one day we're, we are going to lift that trophy up together. There was also a first-time major winner in women's golf. South Korea's Lee Mi Rim came through a playoff to earn a surprise win at the ANA Inspiration in California. The 29-year-old never led until she stole the title with a 5-foot birdie putt on the 18th, beating Nelly Korda and Brooke Henderson, who each had the lead on the back nine. In the NFL, a pair of 40-something quarterbacks went head-to-head in New Orleans, where Drew Brees and the Saints spoiled Tom Brady's debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints won 34-23. Brady, a six-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, was intercepted twice and sacked three times. In contrast, Cam Newton, who replaced Brady as Patriots quarterback, was victorious in his first game. Newton rushed for two touchdowns in New England's 21-11 win over Miami. And finally, in the English Premier League, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored a 1-0 victory for Everton over Tottenham. Jamie Vardy converted two penalties as Leicester City beat newly promoted West Brom 3-0. And that's your look at sports. Thanks a lot. That was Adam Chung with the sports. And now to end the news, the top stories once again. Experts are warning of a resurgence in coronavirus cases, saying there are signs people are now letting their guard down. The government's universal COVID-19 screening program ends today. And Japan's governing party gets set to vote for a new leader to replace ailing Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. The news from RTHK. sleeping bag i'm not gonna move got some words on cardboard got your picture in my head saying if you see this girl can you tell her where i am some try to One day you wake up 
Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Monday afternoon. Monday the 14th of September is today's date. And we sure have a great program for you. But first of all, many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. Just after 2 o'clock, we'll be speaking with fitness coach Nathan Solier. And this week, we're talking about movement as medicine. And he'll be chatting about the power of exercise and movement to promote health. Why is it so important to stay active? Well, he'll be joining us uh, just after the 2 o'clock news. And we hope to also uh, bring you that interview on the Facebook Live. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And after 2.30 on this week's Trash Talk, Marcy Trent Long will be speaking to eco-activists.